Thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. We'll get started in just a moment. If this is your first time here, please consider subscribing so that you may stay up to date with the latest podcast. And if our podcast brings value to your life, please consider sharing it with family and friends. Thanks for listening. And now here's today's podcast. Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church, located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. We'll be reading from verses 23 to 26. We have uh, a lot of scripture today. If you, if you would like... At the, at the back, we have notes that have all the scriptures listed that I'm planning to use. So if that'll save you some time, then you can grab that on the way out. Um, so you don't have to try to grab every reference. Um, but I really wanted to dive into the Word this morning so that you can see why we believe what we believe in this regard. So 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 26, and we're going to be sharing in communion at the, at the end of the service. Um, verse 23 says, For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. And then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body, which is given for you or broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes. Father, would you add your blessing and your illumination? revelation to to the reading and the hearing and the preaching of your word today. I pray that we receive it, not as the word from a man, but as the word of God. Lord, I pray that our lives would be changed because of it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, today's message to a lot of you is going to sound more like an Easter message than a Thanksgiving message. But if you'll, if you'll give me just a minute, I'll show you why this is uh, actually a Thanksgiving message, and not really just for Thanksgiving, but a message for every day. So Jesus said to his 12 disciples in that, in that uh, passage we just read, Jesus said on the night before his crucifixion that his body was going to be broken for them and that his blood was going to be offered for them. He said he was eager to eat this meal with them. It was important to Jesus, but it was important for the disciples. And if you have any familiarity with Christianity whatsoever, then you know what we're talking about is commonly referred to as communion. Um, And it is a, a holy and sacred sacrament of the church. Jesus commanded that we take part in it in order to remember what he did for us, and to be reminded that he is coming back for us. The, the Greek word for, for this, uh, for communion, is Eucharist. 
It's Eucharist. And, and some of the liturgical churches still call it that instead of calling it uh, communion. So if you see on their signs, Holy Eucharist this, this morning or whatever, that's what it is. It's, it's, the, it's communion. The word Eucharist literally means, in the Greek, the word means thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Remembering the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus is literally thanksgiving. It's not about the turkeys and the pilgrims. It's it's about the blood and the body of Jesus. And it doesn't just have to be in November. He said, as often as you do it. So we can give thanks to God for the gifts that Jesus gave us anytime we want to. And that's what we're going to do today. But what do the gifts of communion represent? What gifts do they represent? What exactly did the body and the blood do for us? You know, why did his body have to be broken? Why did he have to shed his blood? And what does that do for us today? That was 2,000 years ago. What difference does it make for us today? So those are questions that I want us to answer before we partake in the Eucharist today. Now, we don't believe, like some churches, some denominations or some, uh, some veins of the faith believe that, that as you take communion, it becomes the literal body and blood of Jesus. We don't believe that, but we do know and we do recognize, and I'm going to show you this morning, this is more than just mere symbolism. So what we're doing today is not just symbolic. And I want you to see what it means to us today. So first of all, let's talk about the gift of the shed blood. The gift of the shed blood. Now you can't talk about the sacrifice of Jesus without talking about the blood. Or at least you shouldn't talk about it without talking about the blood. If you don't talk about the blood, if you cut the blood out of the conversation, you are intentionally rewriting history and theology and changing the core tenet of Christianity. And please note that the blood of Jesus was not spilled. It was not an accident. His blood was shed. It was poured out for us because it was his choice. Jesus told him, I am going to offer. That means voluntarily. I'm going to offer my blood for you. So let's look at the ways that Jesus allowed his blood to be shed. And I want you to look in in, in Luke chapter 22. Luke 22, verse 41. He walked away about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane right before he's arrested. And he's praying, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. And yet I want your will to be done and not mine. Then an angel appeared from heaven and strengthened him. He prayed more fervently, and he was in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. Now the shedding of blood, the blood of Jesus, did not start on the cross. As a matter of fact, it was only finished on the cross. It started in the garden as he began to prepare himself to face the cross. It's a medical condition uh, called hematidrosis, and it's brought on by severe or extreme mental and emotional distress. It was in the garden that Jesus uh, took on what the Bible calls in that verse the, the cup of suffering, the cup of sin, or the cup of judgment. God placed on Jesus' shoulders in that moment the responsibility for every sin of every human being who had ever lived or would ever live on this earth. And that includes my sin. 
and your sin. And the weight of that sin caused such pain for him that he began the process of shedding his blood for us. Look at Matthew 26 and verse 67. Then they began to spit in Jesus' face and they beat him with their fists and some slapped him. This was at the appearance for the Jewish high priest uh, and he shed blood in that moment because he was beaten, gang beaten as a matter of fact, and he shed his blood from that beating. Isaiah chapter 50 and verse 6 It says, I offered my back. This is a messianic prophecy, so he's quoting what Jesus would eventually say. I offered my back to those who beat me, my cheeks to those who pulled out my beard. I did not hide my face from mockery and spitting. The pulling out of Jesus' beard is not listed in the Gospels, but it is predicted by the prophet Isaiah. Now, so why do we believe it? Because every other messianic prophecy of Isaiah was fulfilled. So I think it's a safe bet, whether it was listed in the Gospels or not, to believe that this happened as well. And I can promise you, this was not a gentle process. And more of his blood was shed. John chapter 19 The first two verses say, Then Pilate had Jesus flogged with a lead-tipped whip, and the soldiers wove a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and then they put a purple robe on him. The Roman soldiers, who were professional torturers, used an incredibly brutal instrument, that a whip that was specifically designed to shred and remove flesh and to cause the loss of blood. And even after that, they placed upon his head a crown of two to four inch thorns and they forced it into his scalp by beating it down with a wooden stick. It's hard to even imagine the pain and the loss of blood during these two events. And as if all of that wasn't enough, then they took him up a little mountain called Calvary and they crucified him. They drove a huge spike into each of his wrists, which were considered to be part of the hand, and one spike in his, through his crossed feet. Three spikes in all. And after six hours, and as a final act, John 19 records this in verse 34. One of the soldiers, however, pierced his side with a spear, and immediately blood and water flowed out. They pierced what's called the pericardial sac around the heart. Now, have you ever wondered why? Why did it have to be so brutal? Why did it have to be so bloody? Any of the things that he went through would have been torture enough. If you were flogged, just only flogged, It's incredibly painful. If you had only had the crown, if you had only been beaten up by a gang of soldiers, if you had only be, but why all of it? Why so much blood? And I don't, I don't want to seem trite with my answer, but, but I think there was so much blood because there's so much sin. Jesus was demonstrating his total commitment to eradicating sin's power over us. By shedding his blood. But sin and blood are connected. They're connected and have been from the beginning. And I want to show you that in Genesis chapter 3 
starting in verses 6 and 7. The woman was convinced. She saw the tree was beautiful and its, and its fruit looked delicious. And she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. And at that moment their eyes were open and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. That was only temporary. Look at what happened in verse 21. And the Lord God made clothing from animal skins for Adam and his wife. From the very beginning, sin has resulted in death and bloodshed. Those animals had to be killed and shed their blood in order for God to make clothing out of their skins. Because of Adam and Eve's sin in the garden, God had to kill an animal in order for them to have clothes. And, and since that time, God has always required a blood sacrifice for sin. Look at Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 22. In fact, according to the law of Moses, nearly everything was purified with blood. For without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. And so here we see it stated flat out. Sin cannot be forgiven without the shedding of blood. So every drop of blood that Jesus shed from the garden to the cross was so that we could be forgiven of our sins. There was no other way. Jesus Christ, once and for all, offered his righteous, holy, perfect blood to cover and remove the stain of our sins forever. His blood washed away our sins. Can somebody praise the Lord with me about that this morning? Amen? Amen. But there is another reason that Jesus had to shed his blood. Notice that he said, this is the blood of the new covenant. A covenant is a holy agreement between two people before God or between God and a person. The old covenant was the one between Abraham and God, and it's found in Genesis chapter 17. And then God said to Abraham, your responsibility is to obey the terms of the covenant. You and all your descendants have this continual responsibility. This is the covenant that you and your descendants must keep. Each male among you must be circumcised. So did you see what had to happen in order to seal the covenant? The shedding of blood through circumcision. Covenants were always sealed with blood confirmed with blood. So in order for the old covenant to be replaced with a new and much better covenant, Jesus had to shed his blood. So the gift of the shed blood of Jesus is so that our, for, our sins can be forgiven. So it, it means that everything that we have ever done or ever will do can be forgiven by God. Everything without exception if you repent and receive it. But his blood is also a gift because we can now have a covenant relationship with God. We can know him and we can be welcomed into his presence. We can be loved by him. Forgiveness and covenant relationship are incredible gifts that were paid for by the blood of Jesus. So can you just say thank you for the blood of Jesus this morning, right? Amen. Now let's look at the second thing there, there is to be thankful for, the second gift of the Eucharist is this, the gift of the broken body. The gift of the broken body. Most of the time when we take communion, we tend to focus only on the blood. But I, I, Jesus made a point to speak of the broken body as well. 
So what did his broken body do for us? Why did his body have to be broken? And I want to show you in Isaiah chapter 53, Isaiah 53, verses 3 through 6. He was despised and rejected. Speaking of Jesus, despised and rejected. A man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our, now I want you to pay really close attention to the words that are used here. It was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. We thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his sins, but he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed, or by his stripes we are healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We've left God's path to follow our own, yet the Lord laid on him the sins of all of us. You know, this passage talks about what the body of Jesus went through. It began by talking about he was pierced. There are lots of very descriptive words here. And just in the interest of time, I just want to summarize it for you. But I would encourage you to go through the Hebrew definitions and read. The, it, the words are not just, they're not just one word definitions. There, there's so much depth and there's so much breadth in those words. So you need to dive in and see what all that means through those Hebrew definitions. And I'll be happy to show you where to do that. But, but I, I want to summarize it for you and put it together so you, that you see the bigger picture. What it says happened to the body of Jesus is that he was crushed and bruised and beat to pieces. That's what the definition says. That's what Isaiah said 700 years before it happened. But didn't we just read about it in the Gospels? He was crushed by the weight of our sin in the garden. He was bruised by the temple guards who beat him up. And then he was beat to pieces with the whip of the Roman soldiers, not to mention what his body went through on the cross. But why? What did it accomplish? These Hebrew words tell us what he did. It says he lifted, he accepted, he pardoned, he forgave, and he carried away some, some things for us. What things? What was it? Our anxiety. It says that literally in the Bible. Our anxiety. Our grief. Our sickness. Our disasters that we've been through in our lives. Our diseases. It says he took our pain our sorrow, our anguish, our affliction. He took our rebellions, our sins, our transgressions of the law, our trespasses against God and against others. The Bible said that in his body, he took our perversity, our evil, and the punishment for our sins, and he did it so that we could be mended we could be stitched back together. We could be cured and made whole. Not just relieved of the symptoms, but made whole again. 
And we got all of that from one Old Testament prophet who lived almost 3,000 years ago. But guess what? He was absolutely right. And what Jesus gave us from his broken body is still changing lives today. And it's still for us. It's still for us. As much as his body was broken that we can be saved, his body was broken so that we can have all of that other stuff as well. His broken body does not just affect our eternal destiny, it affects our present reality. Jesus wants us to be healed in our bodies, healed in our minds, healed in our emotions. He came to take away the pain of the tragedies and the traumas of our past. He came to pick up the broken pieces of our lives and sew them back together into a quilt that'll testify of his goodness and his grace and his love and his power to everybody who sees our lives. His broken body and his shed blood are gifts to humanity. And when we take communion, we are reminded of his power and his presence. What a gift. What a gift. But now I want to talk about something we don't usually talk about when it comes to gifts. Everybody wants to talk about gift giving, but we rarely talk about gift receiving. And so, as our last point today, I want to talk about receiving the gift. We've already seen the gift of the shed blood. We've already seen the gift of the broken body of Christ. Let's talk about receiving the gift. Have you ever given somebody a gift and and they unwrapped it and they kind of made a big deal about it, but then they never actually used it? Right? Does it not crush your soul to walk by the toy box in your kids' rooms and see that toy laying there untouched that you fought angry mobs of Black Friday shoppers to get for them? You almost died getting that thing? Or or you just about have to mortgage the house to buy that new video game system and they play it like three times and get bored with it? It's frustrating, isn't it? And all the parents said, amen. It's frustrating. You, look, you, you want to look at them and you know they're like eight. They don't get it. But you want to say, if you only knew what I went through to get this for you. Right? If you only knew how much this cost... Don't you think the Father feels the same way? Look at what Paul said after he reminded us and the Corinthians about the body and the blood. This, we, we read the previous verses to begin with today. Here's the, next, the very next verse. So anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of Jesus. This is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. For if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you're eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. Or some of the translations call it a curse. This is why many of you are weak and sick, and some have even died. 
But if we would examine ourselves, we would not be judged by God in this way. Yet when we are judged by the Lord, we're being disciplined so that we will not be condemned along with the world. Say, well, John, what in the world does that have to do with receiving the gift? Well, let me put it this way. You can't thank the giver, but ignore the gift. You can't thank the giver and then ignore the gift. Paul says, you have to examine yourself to make sure you're honoring the body of Christ. So what, what in the world is that with the body and the blood? What does that mean? How do you honor it? Well, it means it's not about the bread and the juice. It's about the body and the blood. Chewing the bread and drinking the juice is not the same as being healed and forgiven. Participating in the symbolism doesn't help if you haven't participated in the truth. If you get baptized without having repented, you're just wet. Right? So if you take the elements without receiving the body of Christ and the blood of Christ and all that that means and entails for us, then it does nothing to hold back the curse of sin and death in your life. So it's not necessarily some, some communion curse for being unworthy. It's that you're failing to walk in the cure that Christ provided for us in his body and in his blood. You have to receive the gift. And the gift is not the elements. The gift is the body and the blood. So here's what I mean. The, the world is cursed because of sin. Right? All the way back to Genesis. If you kept reading where we were today, you, you'd find out. It's, it's cursed. That's what Paul was talking about. He said some of y'all are taking communion unworthily. You're not actually receiving the body and the blood. You're just going through the motions. The, the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus broke every curse upon mankind. He said in the Gospel of John, whom the Son sets free, He's free indeed. He's truly free. The only reason we're healed, the only reason we have strength, the only reason we're not dead is because of Jesus and what He's done for us on the cross. It's in Him that we live and we move and we have our being. Paul said some of you are weak, some of you are sick, and some people have even died prematurely because you're not actually receiving the gift of the body and the blood. You take the bread and the juice, but not the body and the blood. And that doesn't honor God. So what should be a blessing to you is really a curse. And it's not that God's sitting up there zapping people who aren't perfect. It's that when you choose not to receive what he did for us, then you're left to deal with the curse all by yourself. It's just like making a big deal over a gift that you unwrap, but you have no intention of using. If you really want to honor God, Put the gift to use. If you really want to show you're thankful, if you really want communion to be about thanksgiving, then be saved and be healed and be delivered. Right? Participate in what it is that he provided for you. Let him into your hidden fears. 
Let him into your well-concealed problems. Let him behind the social media smokescreen. Let him behind the mask that you wear. Let him heal you. Let him set you free. Walk in that. Live in that. Tell other people about it. Praise God for it. Receive the new covenant from the blood. Receive the new life from the broken body. That's how you say thank you. So this day, this sacrament... This symbolic act is about Eucharist. It's about giving thanks. Not for the bread and the juice. For the body and the blood. But you can't do that from the outside. You have to do it from the inside. So are you ready to give thanks for Jesus today? So here's what I want us to do. We're, we're, just, we're going to remain seated. But I'm going to ask the team to come and, and begin in just a second and begin to lead us in a song of worship and reflection. And I want us just to remain seated and, and to take some time with the Lord. I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal truth to us and convict us of sin, convict us of any area of our lives that, that, that He needs to speak into those things. But there, are, there are, are people in this place today who may have taken communion a hundred times. You may have been to church a thousand times, but have never repented of your sin, never surrendered your life to Jesus. And I want to urge you to do that today, and I want to give you the chance to do that today. Other people have surrendered their lives to Jesus, but at some point in the past, but little by little and sort of step by step, you've drifted away. Today is the day for you to come home to the Father. No matter how far away you are, you might have taken two steps, then you better back it up and keep your behind in the Father's house. Or you may be 200 miles from home. Come home today. Some of you, I, I might even say many of you are saved, but maybe you didn't realize what all Jesus accomplished for you on the cross. You didn't know He was broken so that you could be healed in your body and healed in your heart healed in your mind, healed in your emotions, healed from your past, freed from what has been said about you or from what's been expected of you. Today, I want, I want you to pray and I want you to tell Jesus that you're ready to receive all that he has for you. I want you to thank him for his sacrifice. And today, I want you to begin to receive his healing in whatever area of your life you need healing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray, and then we're going to let them sing for a couple of minutes, and we're just going to do business with God. We're just going to talk to Him. Say, well, John, we need to hurry up. Listen, you can't. some things don't need to be hurried up. Some things you need to get it right the first time. So I'm, I'm convicted myself. How much pain are we carrying in our bodies that Jesus had his body broken for, and we've just never given it to him. Do we think we're going to suddenly figure it out? No. Give it to him. Give it to him. 
So we're going to just spend a few minutes doing business with God, talking to him one-on-one. If you want me to pray with you, there's something you want me to pray with you about, you come on down and I'll be happy to pray with you. But in just a few minutes, the team's going to start distributing the elements. Don't just go through the motions today. You are testifying today that you are saved, that you're in covenant with him, and that you're receiving all that Jesus did for you. And I believe, I believe that people are going to be healed and and saved and delivered and set free today through the body and the blood of Jesus. We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast. To find out more information about our ministry, just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.